All right, so Finn will hoist Hawkins back up over his shoulder. I say we go back into the house, drop these boys off, and decide whether we want to explore some more. That's my vote. I would tend to agree with you. I agree, Garnack. I think moving to a safer ground for any interrogations you want to do would be a good idea. But let's remember who the enemy is here. Juro. Giving him the stare down. Finn will start heading back the way we came. Juro will walk over to where Vesper is kneeling in the water and look down at her and just put out a hand to help her up. Vesper will look up at Juro, look at his hand, look back up at him, and very slowly extend hers to take it. Um, Still, and her hand is visibly shaking as she reaches up. Almost tenderly, Juro will help Vesper to her feet. Uh, he he still his eyes are hard. He still looks pissed, but he also very much looks ashamed of himself. She will just nod slightly and begin to very cautiously and carefully walk towards where Finn and Garnack are, um, supporting herself against the wall at every step. It is a much more arduous climb out because you are ascending and those things that you kind of tumbled headlong down on the way here well they're a bit more of an effort to climb out of but eventually you make it to the back of the closet into the submerged grotto in the backyard of the upper house what's the weather look like at the moment it's a bright, sunny, blue sky day. You can hear the seabirds and the waves and the, the wind, and you can just see like the odd clouds scudding by. And the sun's not visible, but you know, like when you look up and there's those odd wisps, those stratonimbus wisps that just kind of rip across the sky once in a while on an otherwise clear day. One of those is kind of drifting over the chunks of blue that you can see shining through the tangled vines and thatch tangle of the uh, the, that lays across the roof of this grotto. Do we have a better spot than here to position ourselves? There's the house itself. I mean, like you can keep pulling out. It's just you're not underground anymore. It's strictly Here you have an access and egress point. There's also the stairs in the main house if you want to follow the other tunnel to the basement and the stairs leading up from there. What do you guys think? I think this is fine. We just have to... I mean, we should question them now. Oh, now you're going to ask questions, Hawkins. Are you breathing? Because if you're breathing, you shouldn't be complaining. Yeah, I'm breathing. My partner almost isn't. I know you. I know you too. And you, you look like Menagerie. You're that doctor who can't even clear up a simple case of the dose. I punch him in the face with a gauntlet. Right in the jaw.
Welcome to Runelanders. I'm Matt Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master, and so it's my job to let you know that Runelanders contains mature themes, adult content, coarse language, and things that might offend sensitive listeners, and so listener discretion is strongly advised. Now, if that sort of thing is your sort of thing, then thrill to these tales of terror in a town called Tallwater, far away in the west. It's the sort of place that has a space for the good and the bad and the worst and the best, and the sane and the mad and the cursed and the blessed. If not at its university, at least in its menagerie. What weirdness will these academic adventurers uncover in this Eldritch episode? Well, I could tell you, but we'd rather show you we're the Runelanders. This is Tallwater Tales. So get ready, Runatics, and let's roll. I punch him in the face with a gauntlet, right in the jaw. Be polite. There's a big gob of blood and a tooth flies out. Juro mutters, dick. And you're not quite sure if it's to you or to Hawkins. I was going to do that. Too slow, elf. As far as I'm concerned, you're lucky the little lady didn't, well, disembowel both of you. So, eh, be polite. Let's go with being polite. Why? Why? For what? You busted in here. You, you, you want me to punch you in the face again? You can't defend yourself. I almost feel bad, but you're making it just so easy. Please call, Do you please really call the guards. No, I don't want you to hit me again. Somebody call the guard. And shut up. And let, you can answer questions. You have choices. You could answer questions. Or shut up or get punched in the face. There's only three choices. That's it. There, There is no fourth. Do you understand that? You know who I am, no clan? That's interesting. I punch him in the face. Again. I'll give him a chance to shut up. And if he doesn't, we'll just keep doing this process until he learns. He's out. There are certain words in every language, we all know them, no need to repeat them, that will get you punched in the mouth without reservation by somebody who will keep punching you in the mouth for calling them that. And no clan is uh, one of those things for dwarves. Finn goes up to Jero and, and says, Professor, I, I'm confused. I thought we were trying to find out who's the one behind creating all these undead beasts under the ground here. And if it, if it ain't these two, who is it? I, I don't know. Okay? I don't know. I know very little about what's going on right now. Okay? But you said that they couldn't do magic. And I obviously saw them doing magic, so what gives? No. They, they were using borrowed magic. They were using uh, objects that have enchantments to them 
They can't do magic. Did you see the tattoos on their you know, all over their bodies? Well, what's the fucking difference between what they were doing and magic then? Uh, one is inherent power. One is wielded power that was granted by an outside source. Uh, inherent power is far more flexible. Uh, basically, they had toys. The same thing way I could tweak your gun to make it where you don't got to reload it. That's They're able to get some contraptions like that that other people can use for them. They don't have any power of their own. Yes, that. Thank, thank you, Garnak. Uh, yeah, no problem. They should have been powerless, and someone made them powerful again. Well, I think maybe we should find out who. Anyone got any ways to make someone using borrowed magic tell the truth? Well, I got a gauntlet, but as you can see, you can only ask so many questions. Well, I guess we'll have to use a gauntlet then. I don't suppose we have any moral or ethical reservations about how we're going to handle this? Oh, these two? Oh, well, in general, yeah. But special circumstances. As I said, these guys are on borrowed time. They should consider... I, I honestly am surprised that guy's head is not severed. Y'all know these boys? I feel like I'm missing something here. I do. Vesper pushes herself off the wall and walks up by Finn. I know who these two are. Like, neither one of them is a sterling specimen of their kind. They are very wealthy. This is evidenced in the fact that they're wearing hand-tailored everything. And yes, the world is just coming out of having hand-tailored everything, being like de rigueur, whether it's uh, your baba knitting your socks or buying them. The Industrial Revolution has made retail clothing a thing, but it's only a couple decades old. Yet, these are bespoke tailored pieces that they wear. Their tack and harness, for lack of a better term, the, their leather goods are high quality. They both wear a component belt. Hey, excellent. I have two component belts. Yeah, I just add that to the list of charges. Hawkins has recained himself now. Uh, Felon is critically injured and won't. Hawkins is absolutely licking the space in his gums and uh, looks at you. He's this this little narrow rat face man, you know. He's got these keen eyes that he's smart. You can tell he's smart, but uh, it's book smart. All right. Does someone else want to talk to him? Because I, I mostly just can't. Uh, he opens his mouth again. I'm probably not going to wait very long. Finn's going to go crouch down next to Hawkins, kind of give him a light smack with the back of his hand on his face, not to injure, just to bring him to, and uh, say, all right, brother, I think maybe it's time you told us what you're doing here, or else uh, my master here is going to have to use his gauntlet again. I, I can see that. Um, listen, first off... I gotta ask you, didn't anybody ever tell you what a bad idea it is to lock eyes with a wizard? 
I can't say I'm worried about it. I can see that. You've got the big bad Jero Valat who can just throw people out on their ears after, you know, setting people up to fail to set himself ahead, right? Fuck you, Valat. What are you even here for? What brings you here? What brought you here to come here and fuck with my and Felon's deal? Are you asking are questions again? I oh, can stop. Hold on. No, 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 I don't understand. You don't look like that big of an idiot. You really don't. But every time your mouth opens, it's like your brain shuts off. You need to work on that. I really don't want to keep hurting you. So instead of asking questions, answer I don't care what you want. What makes you think what you want matters in the slightest? You have no bearing on what happens here outside of answering questions, shutting up, or being punched in the mouth in some combination. Not complicated. I just kind of wander off a little bit. He watches you go with that, and he doesn't say anything. Just as you're off to the side, he looks over at Gerald and nods. Like, his face is all busted up. His nose is bleeding. He's missing a tooth. He's got a fat lip. You know, but still defiant and he uh he looks at the spot between your eyes Jero. as is politic Jero just stares him down right in the eye as is generally dangerous doesn't say anything yet he's just watching him and waiting for the next words to come out of his mouth because he knows that Hawkins will break first. Philon, if Philon were awake, he would be, he, he wouldn't, he would say nothing. Hawkins was always kind of the, the, the lesser of the two. Finn um, sort of says conversationally to Jero, um, Professor, these are, these are students at the university, are they not? They were kicked out then were you fancy pants well that's a word for what happened to them why don't you ask the professor to show you his tattoos I can't get mine out Drew will uh, not not for not for long but he will break eye contact with Hawkins just long enough to glance at his uh, balled up right fist uh, he doesn't the tattoos are not visible, correct? Not right now, no. Yeah. Um... We got them on the same day, after all. The three of us. It was the last time we spent any quality time together. And then I guess we were just supposed to dry up and blow away. Huh, Professor? You didn't leave that fat morsel out there so that we'd follow it like your little tests and your favorites and oh your darlings and oh Philon Hawkins certainly don't find this but there it is laying out in the open come on what the fuck is that if you didn't want us to be part of the program you could have just waited for us to finish your class what was your problem with us that you had to destroy our careers look at you right me and me and me and Philon we're here we're studying we're gonna be something someday but, uh, you know, what, are we the big energy magic guys? No. What are we, are, are we the, are we the Economancers? No, 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 no. 
Diviners? Nope, not us. What do we know? Well, a fair bit of magic as it happens, but can we use it? Not anymore. Thanks to you, Gerald Vallant, and your big mouth, and then you tried to plead that it's drunkenness. Bullshit. What were you trying to get away with? Why did you set us up to fail? Why are we even fucking here? And why is your killer dwarf so angry at me? That's what I want to know, Jero. Got any answers for those? Garnak? Ah. Uh, all right, fine. Here's... All right. Go ahead, guys. Look. I, I, I'm... Look. Hmm. Jero is very clearly hesitating on whether or not to confirm any of the things that Hawkins has just said. Uh, ben? Yes, ma'am. Gag him, would you please? With pleasure. Finn's gonna stuff a rag in Hawkins' mouth. Thank you, Finn. I was tired of hearing him speak. Looks like no answers are forthcoming anytime soon. No, but a lot of information that I will probably have to explain at some point. Indeed. But for right now, perhaps we should leave these two bastards here. No, I don't trust that they won't kill themselves, to be honest. One of them should be dead. But the other one is too cowardly to do anything himself. Speaking of which, Dr. Magrin, is Philon going to live through the night? Based on my preliminary assessment, he, he should make it through the night. He's, he's not a dire risk, and clearly he has the strength. He should be dead. No. No, he should... He, he really shouldn't, Vesper. I cannot emphasize enough to you that neither of these two should be dead. Professor, I snapped his neck with my teeth. He should not be alive right now. Yeah. No, I know. You're right. He shouldn't. I don't really know... I don't really know how he's alive. He must have had some of that borrowed magic to protect himself. It's an easy enough fix. We know who he borrowed it from, though, don't we, Jero? Uh, are, you, are you able to just talk to me from anywhere now? Anywhere on the island? Is Jero thinking or speaking at the moment? Uh... Mumbling. That's normal. Okay. Where are you? I am everywhere, Jiro. Alright, are we gonna try and lick our wounds right now, get everyone back in fighting shape and before we settle out? Is that basically our plan right now, or are we... What are we doing? Well, as far as I can tell... Professor says that these two can't be behind the occult things we witnessed in the house. 
So there's got to be a leader somewhere, don't there? Yeah, probably. Um, sorry, I'm... I, I, no, everywhere is not possible. What, what does that even mean? You with us, Professor? This is not the time for the absent-minded Professor routine. It's not a... <sighs> Juro is having literally two conversations at the same time right now. Ben, can I borrow your knife? What for? Something. I'm not in the habit of just handing my knife over to... If I don't know what it's going to be used for. What you got planned? Philon might have a little bit more to say. Perhaps. I see where you're going. Finn unsheaths his knife and hands it pommel first to Vesper. Vesper takes it and bows her head slightly um, before walking over to where Philon is lying on the ground. Vesper, please remember that uh, us of the mortal plane are a little bit weaker than who you're typically used to. Take it slow, take it careful. I can only bring him back so far. Oh, I, I got some gadgets that can help you cheat a little bit, Max. Is Philon awake right now, or is he unconscious? Philon is unconscious as he's had his neck broken and half of his ribcage crushed in by the bulk of a large crocodilian thing which attacked him by jumping on his back. Are they right next to each other, or...? No, uh... Philon has been carried bodily by, um... Well, two of you, and, uh... Hawken was dragged along over Finn's shoulder. Vesper is going to pull Hawkins over by Philon... So they're sitting next, so he's sitting next to him and can see what happened to Philon. And she's just going to sit cross-legged in front of him, beaten, bloody, playing with a knife in her hand. Just sit there, staring eerily at him. You, uh, can both... Well, maybe not Vesper, but um, Jiro. Make a history check. All right. 18. Martin Hawkins of Rosegrave. Rosegrave is the capital city of the Helheim Deadland. Mr. Hawkins is waiting to die. The sooner the better as far as his culture is concerned by killing him you'd be doing him a favor we're not going to get through to this one with intimidation tactics at least not direct ones what else do I know about Mr. Hawkins does he have any friends or family that he cares for particularly well, his family are all horribly successful alums, and uh, the fact that he was thrown out was a stain on the name, but not enough to stain the family badly enough that anybody stopped thinking of them the same way they always have. They are old magic and powerful. 
he's a fuck up, but he's a Hawkins. Right. So he has family that I'm sure he cares for. And uh, even if his family doesn't care for him, well, that's not really material, is it? It's beginning to occur to you that you have a Hawkins in chains. You threw one out on his ear and your career took a dump. And now here you are with him in dire straits and he doesn't appear to fear you. In fact, apart from his discomfort, he's cool as a cucumber. Now, Hawkins. I have not taken the gag out of his mouth, FYI. Do you remember the day that we met? Do you remember how we met? Don't don't bother responding. I know you can't. It was so interesting. That little magic that you worked. And yet, you couldn't even work it properly. How awful of you. After all, you were supposed to be this great magic wielder. And yet, you fucked up a summoning ritual. It's no wonder you were thrown out. Imagine how much worse you could have done. Vesper just sits there with this smirk on her face as she finishes speaking. Hawkins has a rag stuffed in his mouth far enough that he can't spit it out. So he's just sitting there calmly with his, uh, his hands sitting calmly in his lap, four inches apart. Cross-legged while he watches you play with the knife and talk to him. Anything to say? Just nod if you want to say something, Mr. Hawkins. He nods. I use the knife to slowly pull the rag out of his mouth and just hold it there, seeing what he'll do. You don't get it, do you? You don't know who I am. You don't know what's going to happen here. It should be noted, sugar, that we didn't summon you for your brains. You can kill me. Well, that would be doing me a giant favor. Because, see, I know exactly mm-hmm. what happens to me after death. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you realize what will happen to you after my death, though. Oh, really? See, I'm a Hawkins. And my family owns a large part of Rosegrave. And most of them have gone to this university. And most of them continue to contribute to the UC University. So at the very minimum, if something happens to me that can be attributed back to the university by any of the diviners that I'm related to, well, let's say the university is going to have a hard time, which probably won't bode well on you. That, of course, is assuming that they don't just summon you directly home and spend the next thousand years burning you in various ways. Small, larger, whatever, you'll get better. And then they'll burn you again and again and again. And the heat won't stop. Generations of my family will study the arts of torture on you. Don't kill him. Just make sure you don't kill him. You understand? Anything happens to me and it's going to look bad on all of you. Vesper shoves the rag back in his mouth. That's going to take uh, an attack roll. Natural 19. 
And I don't think I add anything to that. You got him. Then he's like spitting and coughing and turning his head. And eventually you get the rag back in his mouth. Such, so many words from such a tiny little boy. Everybody put your hands up. I turn around pointing a gun. Hands go up. There's a lot of guardsmen at the top of this grotto pointing crossbows down at you now. Now I put my hands up. Phelan rolls over at this point and goes, Officers, help us. Help us. They're going to kill us. Shit. camera cuts on downtown Cape Largo and zooms in on the local constabulary where there's a prison in back. It's a long corridor with cells, stone floor, stone ceiling. And in one of the cells, Garnack ignores the bench and is sitting in the far corner of the dingy, grimy cell. You have large oversized bricks that go up the walls on three different sides and there are no windows. Along the northern wall is just a series of bars sealing them in with what he thinks is a rather pathetic looking lock that's holding the gate shut. Jura has taken full advantage of the bench, uh, much to Magrin's annoyance, and laid across it completely uh, and is staring up at the ceiling, fiddling with nothing. He's Fingers are moving around as if he's moving a coin or some lint between them, but there's nothing there. Magrin, annoyed with Juro's nonsense who got them into this mess, proceeds to just sit on his calves uh, without a care and reaches behind her and pulls out a piece of uh, dried meat from her hair that she begins to munch on. Her feet dangle off the bench. They don't quite reach the floor of the cell, um, giving her kind of a childlike quality. Juro grits his teeth against the throbbing numbness that starts to uh, seep into his leg. Well, that could have went better. Oh, you think? You don't say. The hell happened? Someone called the cops. We were interrogating two prisoners, as opposed to eliminating two monsters. Eliminating wasn't in the, uh, wasn't in the cards, Garnack. Why? Because we're not monsters. Oh, so you'll kill a skulk. I mean, that's not a big deal. Right? I mean, a skulk, it's a living creature. It's got a form of sentience. It's sort of there. Has limited ability to make a choice, but we'll kill it. No problem. That's fine. If, if the skulk but, is... Yeah. If humans that actually have... Go ahead. If the skulk is on its knees, bound before me, then no, I'm not killing the skulk either. We had two people, that's openers, were summoning a devil to this world and trying to enslave it for their own pleasure. That's their opener. Then we find out that they're going through and exporting necromantic potions. That's, that's their step two. And to be honest, 
I'm guessing what we don't know is probably a whole lot worse than what we do. Correct. And uh, you're skipping a step in that process where we neutralized and apprehended those monsters. So... Yeah, neutralized. That's that's what happened to Philon. He was neutralized. So, Dura, when an animal gets trapped and then you kill it, that's wrong then? Should we go talk to Finn about that? I don't know, Dr. Magrin. Do you think we were going to eat young Mr. Felon and Hawkins? I'm good with trophy hunting, pointing it out. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes incapacitation doesn't mean that it's done and dealt with. I mean, clearly exiling them didn't deal with it. Clearly binding their magic didn't deal with it. So why would handcuffs deal with it? I'm, j I'm just wondering the thought process here. Well, they weren't exiled. They were in prison. I, I don't even know how they got down there. You know their families. You know the family history. You should be pretty well aware of how they got out. I, I, yes, I, I, I suppose they're they're a powerful they're a powerful people behind the curtain. But the the fact of the matter is, what? I thought they were neutralized. What were you hoping to get out of them? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I. That right there is my biggest problem with that entire conversation we just had. I suppose I We hope. drug them up to the surface and stopped and interrogated them for information that we don't even know what we're looking for. They were, they were kind of a wrench in our plans. This whole thing was supposed to be simple. We were supposed to go in, give a little light show, and make some noise you know, cleanse the place and get out. I didn't plan for, well, two escaped convicts. I doubt they're escaped convicts. By the fact that we are currently in jail, and by all accounts, it looks like those two are running free, I doubt they're convicts. Or at least they're not supposed to be incarcerated at the moment. You might have a point. Honestly, why would why would Felon have even called the constabulary if he was a wanted man? Unless this goes a whole lot higher than than I actually think it does. Well, it goes high enough. This this is not going to end well. Dro nudges Magrin slightly and. Uh, just so that she stands up for a second and allows him to sit upright in a much more accommodating fashion. Magrid resettles herself on the bench, more comfortable now, and happy that she got her way. You wanted to keep him alive. I get that. I, I disagree with you, but I get that. I, I can understand the argument. But we need to know what direction we're going. And considering what they tried to do to Vesper, what they did do to Vesper, what they were in the act of doing when we found them. Sometimes you just need to put a dog down. Actually, I do wonder about that. Uh, 
we thought Philon was, you know, dead, or at the very least, completely incapacitated. What would have happened if we had ended Hawkins then and there, and Philon had been there to witness that? Even from a I feel like practicing murder charges instead of kidnapping charges. Right. Even from a pragmatic standpoint, it wouldn't have made sense to to put to put the rabid dog down, as you say. From a pragmatic viewpoint, you take them back underground. I'm a dwarf, trust me. You know we know how to make things disappear once you get under the earth. They are never being found. There are Leaving them alive is one thing. Look, like I said, you, you wanted to keep them alive. I disagree. But we also went into that with no plan, with no viewpoint. I ended up punching the guy in the face repeatedly because he won't shut up. At that, I seriously do not understand your guys' viewpoints towards prisoners. If you have a prisoner that talks like that, you just killed him. If you have a person who is mass exporting raised dead spells for the purpose of causing who knows what type of mayhem, you kill them. You have a person trying to enslave sentient beings to their own will. You kill them. I don't understand the drawback. And thinking that Felon's alive, there are ways to make sure that that's not the case. Oh, Garnack, so... Garnack, I agree with you on capital punishment, 100%. Sometimes the only way to solve a situation is to put them down. However, the, the issue being... Um, we, if we were to just put them down on our own without a justice system involved, then the the legalities become questionable. Hell, I don't think there is a justice system that exists that should be authorized to take life. And that's where we disagree, Juro. We don't have a justice system here that applies to Felon and Hawkins. If we did... The people that were export mass exporting necromantic spells would be the ones in the cell. See, and that's another thing. You don't actually have any proof that they were the ones behind that. Oh, yeah. My bad. Mass producing necromantic spells inside of a house that's crawling with skulks. And those two are just wandering in and out of the building willy-nilly like it's no big deal. And we already know they're absolute scumbags. Yeah, yeah, I got no. Th there's no way you can connect those dots. That, yeah, I'm not saying. I'm not saying there's no logical way to arrive at that conclusion. I'm saying there's there's no legal way to arrive at that conclusion. All of that evidence is purely circumstantial. You keep mentioning um, legal systems and justice. And it's weird because you seem to think that those two have anything whatsoever to do with each other. I think we're all learning a little bit more about each other today. I'll put sure. it like this. I feel worse about punching the guy in the face than I would have about putting him down. Punching him in the face was cruel. I was just trying to get him to shut up so we could actually move on and get to whatever productive thing you were trying to do. I'm just a little frustrated that it turns out you didn't have a productive thing you were looking to do. We were just spinning in circles and hoping for the best. Juro looks like he's about to retort and then closes his eyes, sighs deeply, and uh, leans back against the, uh, again, with his back against the wall. You're right. You're right. I'm spinning my wheels here. 
this is new ground for me. I don't know what I'm doing. Truth is, I've been out of exorcism for about 20 years now, and I've, uh... <laughs> well, I didn't think of contingencies. I didn't think about what would happen if things got more complicated when we went there. I had a goal in mind, and, well, all I could see was the shiny trinket at the end, and I didn't pick up anything along the way. Garnack slams his head against the back wall and kind of rubs his eyes a bit. It's like, You're doing fine at the exorcist bit. And to be honest, yeah, it's not your fault that those two idiots showed up or that the house wasn't what it was supposed to be. I'm just angry. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. You have two pieces of garbage that are walking out there out right now that we had the ability to stop them from whatever they were going to do. And whatever they do at this point's on me. Because I'm apparently the only in the room that thought they just needed to go. Or Max. I guess we could share the blame. No, what they, whatever they do is on them. If you can protect and prevent, you prevent and protect. That's what you do. We have the ability to prevent. We have the ability to predict reasonable actions that these people would do or likely do. And prevent that from happening. I don't get to walk away from that responsibility. Up the hall from where Jiro, Garnack, and Magrin are having their conversation, there's another cell that's far enough away where just their distant murmurings of their voices can be heard. And it's in this cell where we find Finn and Vesper. The cell is small, stone floor, stone bench, standing opposite the one wall with bars. Can't see very far down the corridor to either side when you're inside. Uh, Finn hates being cooped up in one room and he's sort of pacing slowly back and forth. Vesper is sitting on the stone bench, um, legs crossed underneath her, and she seems rather not comfortable, to, per se, but she doesn't seem as inconvenienced by this as Finn does, as she is used to being locked away. Finn sort of stops and leans his back against the bars and folds his arms in front of him and stares at his boots for a moment and then looks up and says to Vesper, So... Do you want to explain what just happened back there? Well, we were in the grotto, and cops came, and now we're here. I think I mean before the cops came. You seem to go a bit berserk there. Ah, yes. Well, tell me, Finn. What do you know about the circumstances by which I was brought to this place? Well, I definitely feel like I'm missing one side of something compared to the rest of y'all. It seemed like you guys know who those two were. I know who they are. 
They're the ones who summoned me here. Finn takes a moment, takes it in. Things are kind of clicking into place even more. And I take it they weren't too friendly about it, neither. <laughs> that is one way of saying things. They were rather insistent on getting what they wanted. And it didn't seem to matter what was in their way. What was it that they wanted? Me, power, uh... What was it they said? A demon S at their beck and call. Stupid humans. At the thought of this, Finn frowns. And you can see his eyes are just burning. Thinks for a while. He says, Well, I can't say that I feel like you overreacted none. At least you agree with me on that. I have a feeling that the, um... Professor is rather upset. Well, I think the three of them like to talk more than they like to get to it. Agreed. Sometimes actions are better than words. Or, quite often, actions are better than words. Actions are better than words, but when you're hunting with a partner, it's good to let your partner know what your plans are before you put them into action. That's not to say you need to slow down. Just work as a team. Do you have experience working with a team? Um, back home, you look out for yourself and only work with others when you absolutely must. Here, I've had really no one to work with, shall we say. Where you come from, are they all like you? Do you mean in terms of appearance or in terms of thought? Appearance, well, I take this form because it is easier for the people of this world to understand. In terms of thought, well, we're born, we learn, we fight, we die. Whether that's with or without others, doesn't really seem to matter. Sounds like a pretty cutthroat training organization. Well, when you're trying to become a general, that's what it is. You see, here where I come from, if you want to be a leader, you need to show others that you're someone they want to follow. And you don't do that by stabbing each other in the back. Not that I'm saying that's what you've done. It just sounds to me like where you come from is a pretty competitive place. You are right in that. It is very competitive. Especially when... Um, especially when Asmodeus is looking for new recruits. Well, I want you to know that the way you took out that boy impressed me. Uh, I'm just a hunter, but I hunt 
things that are not just monstrous in appearance, but monstrous in their essence. And you don't strike me as someone who is just a beast who needs to be hunted. I don't want you to worry about that. Vesper looks up from the ground and looks at Finn, kind of tilting her head in curiosity as she is pondering what he's saying and then just says ever so quietly um, very very low under her breath you don't think I'm a monster? No more or less than any of us. You're different from the others, Finn Adler. That's a good thing. I understand wanting revenge. That's not something that monsters do. I don't think it's right for a free spirit to be caged. Thank you. But depending on how this turns out, the cage either becomes larger or smaller. I'm hoping for the former. Speaking of which, I noticed that you can transform yourself into other forms. Indeed I can. Is it possible for you to transform yourself into something that can slip through these bars? I mean, I can certainly try. Just then, Finn hears a door open at the end of the hallway, and he jerks upright and kind of makes a halting motion to Vesper, because it sounds like the cops are coming. Vesper sees this and she nods at Finn in agreement and resumes her spot in a meditative pose upon the bench, waiting for whatever comes next. Now, I do got a question. Jura, uh, I'm sorry. All right. None of this is, this is no more your fault than it is the rest of us. We're all in that house. We all chose to go to that house. I'm just angry. But what they started rambling off a whole lot of nonsense, or at least I assume it was nonsense, about you setting them up. What were they talking about? Look, they, they assume because they got caught that... I knew they would get caught. Sorry, that's that doesn't explain anything very well at all. How much background do you need? You and the bard were talking. You and the bard were drinking and talking. Mentioned some stuff that you shouldn't have. Kids overheard, went out and got stupid. As far as I know, that's, that's about the extent of my details on the knowledge. Sure, the fact that I know the ritual that they used and the components that they misused in the ritual and how they i'm not sure how they mispronounce the incantation i'm still working on that bit because that most likely affected the never mind i i know about that much about what happened all right so i need to set the record straight on a few things it wasn't one isolated evening i had a specific course lasted an entire semester geared towards that ritual the secret 
that I let slip was how to read the ritual. It's magically protected against uh, inquiring eyes. Only I and a couple of select individuals at the university can possibly read it and even complete the ritual. So you used it as a case study? Not exactly. I... Not exactly a case study. The fact of the matter is, I thought... See, now it, now it sounds... Now it sounds so stupid saying it out loud. I thought... I thought there were different students listening. That... That incriminates me so, so badly, but... There were other students who I had hoped would get their hands on the information and do the right thing with it. What's the right thing you wanted them to do? I wanted them to destroy it. The magic that surrounds that document is highly dangerous and also highly volatile. And I spent a semester trying to impress upon my class just what would happen if that ritual fell into the wrong hands. And, well, I mistook... I mistook Philon for a different student. One who I thought would have the sense to do the right thing with it. Oh, I convinced the entire class that it was... that it was evil magic. Instead of just, you know magic that could be used for evil means. And, well, they figured that part out on their own. In a way, I set them up for a fall. But I I didn't want them to do what they ended up doing with it. I had higher hopes. Draw, I can't say that you know, it's all alright, and you make mistakes, um, but we have all made mistakes in this, and you cannot hold yourself entirely accountable for Ves Vesper's trapment here. You may have enabled it to happen, but you were not the one who did it the deed. It's, it's not that. What is it, then? There was... There was always a slight chance that the protective magic surrounding the spell could have deadly consequences. Small chance. I didn't think I was sending students to their deaths by hoping that they would take the hint and destroy it. But the risk was definitely there, and I'm sure you've worked with dangerous magic before. You know what I'm talking about. It's not... You know, it's not a foregone conclusion that they would have died. I thought it was at least an 8% chance Vesper would explode when we left campus. S 7.8. I had it as high as 10.2, but... You know, math errors and whatnot. Dro looks pointedly over at uh, Magrin as she just, I guess, glares at him. Oh, there's full disappointed mom glare. Juro, you see the best in people. 
you see the best in a situation, you see the best outcome. It's one of your best qualities. Thank you. I mean, it's incredibly annoying because it's not realistic in the slightest, but I still think it's a good thing. So, I guess from now, I guess at this point, we figure out how we go forward. What do you think the odds are of us having a job when we get back to Tallwater? Um, exactly zero. Juro's job was already hanging by a thread. I'm already considered the crazy, you know, witch lady on campus. They're gonna assume this was all my idea. I mean, if anyone has a chance, it's you, Garnack. But frankly, the fact that you volunteered for this mission probably won't go well with the board of directors. I wrote up the class syllabus. And the fact that you were filming it all might might not go well either. Oh, I'm publishing that. No, 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 that's getting out there. Forget this. The world's gonna see that. I would really appreciate it if you didn't do that. Oh, come on. You look great. You look. I can edit it. I can edit it. Uh, whatever. Whatever. I can guarantee you the university's gonna have to find a new ward guy. What's gonna happen to Vesper? That was my concern as well. What is going to happen to Vesper? I don't know. She's changed. I, her energies, her chakras, all the fields around her, they're stabilized in this world now. I don't really know when it happened, but I think it's been shifting in this direction for a while. Uh, Garnak, the chakras had to shift when we performed the procedure to prevent her from melting. I didn't realize you weren't aware. We had to change her um, out outer aura to balance with this plane. So she could have left campus at any time after that? No, we had her um, placed in a cell after that. Runelanders is recorded live and curated, produced, and edited by me with indispensable help from Cassie Goodwin-Harrison, Matthew Harrison, Chris Stockavaz, Greg Setnick, and Carrie Copley. All the usual people played all the usual parts, and if you want to know more about them, you can find out all about them, all about the little Easter eggs that I scattered through these episodes, and so much more at runelanders.com. Watch for our vastly improved website coming up soon. That'll about do it for this episode. Next time on Moonlanders, we're gonna have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We'll see you then. I'm DM Matt Adam. I'm DM Good Guy. Reminding you to roll high and don't die. Until next. Take good care. Yeah. <laughs>